Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Lights out and away we go and Max Verstappen gets the better start from Fernando Alonso and Lewis Hamilton away quickly too and Hamilton already level with Carlos Sainz but Sainz has the inside line this is going to be pretty tight Verstappen has the outside line though Hamilton on the inside Lewis Hamilton ahead of Max Verstappen and despite a speedy rapid pit stop from Red Bull Hamilton there that could be crucial why don't you make sure get that for him front didn't have the pace and we are now going green. When does Verstappen want to release the rest of the pack? Right out of the final chicane. And Carlos Sainz has gone right with him as well. Max Verstappen can just start to relax and to rest a little bit as, for the first time, he starts a race in Montreal on pole and for the first time, he sees the chequered flag and will know what it's like to win the Canadian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen comes home in first place. Carlos Sainz pushed him all the way and takes a fifth second place in his career and it's Lewis Hamilton back on the podium once more for Mercedes in third. Wow, those last laps of the race, just how exciting. And of course, Max Verstappen dominant throughout. Welcome everybody to our post-Canada F1 nation. Tom Clarkson here and we have no Damon Hill or Natalie Pinkham this week. And I have two very special guests. First up, Jacques Villeneuve, former teammate of Damon, of course, 1997 world champion. Great to have you on the show. Uh, does it feel like coming home still, Montreal? Uh, yeah, kind of, because, you know, I was born here. I grew up here uh, after F1, lived here for a few years. But it's just the memories of coming to the racetrack. Uh, it's, the, it was, it's one of the few races where teams and drivers are always happy to come to, not because of the track itself, but because of the crowd and because of the town. And, and what did you make of that race? An emphatic performance by Max Verstappen all weekend, actually. Well, just a typical Max Verstappen. He's always at 100%. There's never a dull moment for him. He's always in top shape. He's not a weekend where he's a little bit off pace. He doesn't make mistakes. He's a tough driver to beat because of that. Yeah. Now, no Damon Hill, as I said. So what's the next best thing if you can't get Damon himself on Father's Day? You get Damon's son, Josh. Josh, you're uh, working with Formula One this weekend. What did you make of that race? The full safety car at the end definitely spiced things up. I have to, uh, I have to say happy Father's Day as well to my father. Uh, he's uh, unfortunately couldn't make it this weekend, so I'm here instead. So who had the faster car in those closing laps? That's my well, next question to you, Ferrari is the faster car. Uh, yeah. You can see it through the corners, but uh, Sainz couldn't go through the hairpin. He, the car didn't turn in terminal understeer and then when he got on the gas he was getting sideways and that always gave uh, the gap that Max was needing to stay in front and also the Red Bull is so quick down the straight that even a Ferrari behind with the DRS open that doesn't get the straight line speed but the, the main thing is science could not go through the hairpin and, and that was it right so put yourself in that Ferrari Jack what would you have done differently well <laughs> not much and <laughs> has very little he could do all he could do was maybe dive bomb into the hairpin uh because 
be staying behind Max into the hairpin, not being able to go around the corner means you he would never have uh, he would never be close enough. Now, is it a sense of frustration or happiness that Carlos Sainz feels tonight, Josh? Frustration that he didn't get that first win, or satisfaction that he looked more comfortable in that Ferrari than he has done at pretty much any point this year? Yeah, he was definitely putting the pressure on Max more so that this race than he has all season. And I think it's just a case of when that first win comes, there's going to be so many more after that. It just it will just come uh, come like a flood, basically. So it just it, the the Red Bull was just just a bit too quick down the straight for uh, the Ferrari to really capitalise on it. And uh, the one chance he had when after the he halved his energy and uh, for the last two laps, he just went a bit too deep into the hairpin, and that kind of ruined his chances. JB does it open the sluice gates when you get that first win. Let's wind the clock back to Nürburgring 1996. What did that win do for you, your first in Formula One? Well, it, it, it shows everybody in the team that you can actually do it, that you can survive under the pressure. Uh, not every driver benefit from that. There's been a lot of one-time only winners. Uh, Panis in Monaco, Alesi here. So it doesn't always work out. You still need the opportunities, but it removes a, a bit of weight uh, on your shoulders. But, you know, Sainz will not be happy. He had an occasion today. Uh, his teammate starting at the back. That's a good occasion. Perez, not in the race anymore. This was one of those rare occasions where you can make your career out of or not. And for him, the win today would have been really, really, really important. Ooh. So heavy shoulders, perhaps down at Ferrari. Well, heavy shoulders to, yes, no, they, 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 they will be all disappointed with the results, but they could see that there was no way uh, without the mistake from, from, from Verstappen that he was, uh, it was possible to overtake him. Well, everyone is clearing out of this paddock, heading to the airport, but I've managed to stop Jock Clear. First of all, all things Ferrari. How hopeful were you in those closing laps that Carlos could get the job done? Very. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a squeak, wasn't it? I'm sure Verstappen, if he had anything left in the tank, he would have been trying to find uh, uh, that second to get away from the DRS, and he couldn't. So you know that Max was on the ragged edge. It only needed a, a tiny mistake out of the last corner or out of the out of the last hairpin, um, and and Carlos sort of had him. But yeah, I mean, it was a good battle. Now I know you're working actually on the other side of the garage this year with Charles back of the grid to fifth. I think that's what Charles said before the start of the race that he was hopeful for. But I'm sensing, having sort of been in the hospitality area, that there was a slight feeling of, ah, we perhaps could have done a bit more. Absolutely. Um, I think fifth was probably the minimum we, we wanted before the race. I mean, yeah, 19th on the grid, you think that's a long way to go. But, you know, with the, the, the pace of the car we have, Fifth would, was the minimum we wanted, and, and actually, we hoped for better, to be honest. And, and not unrealistically, the fact is that the race was hugely frustrating for Charles because he just got stuck behind Ocon, and actually the safety car arrived at the wrong time for him. Um, so yeah, it, it, you know, it, the ball the, the ball didn't didn't spin for him today, and it was frustrating. I mean, he didn't do anything wrong, and Ocon drove a very good race to keep him behind him but it was just the frustration of spending 15 laps behind looking at Ocon's rear wing. And when you're doing your simulations before the race, were you expecting more overtaking? Did you think it would be easier here? On paper, um, with no wind, it would have been easier. We arrived today and, and this was, was as the forecast told us it was going to be. It was a tailwind out of the hairpin 
um, which is a tailwind all the way down to that last last uh, chicane. And the drivers were saying this morning that's the worst thing you can have for uh, for overtaking because of course it reduces the effect of the DRS, it reduces the drag on the car in front uh, and doesn't really have a much effect on the car behind. So. Uh, we, Charles was saying it's going to be a lot more difficult to overtake today and that's what it proved to be. But let's look at the positives. The grid penalties are now out the way. <laughs> and we go to Silverstone. Um, with, a, with, yeah, with a clean package and yeah, yeah every reason. And, and Charles's last words were, we need to go arrive in Silverstone and smash it. And, yeah. uh, you know, he's going to be right back and right back on the front. And knowing that car as you do, do you think you'll be competitive there? Absolutely. I mean, it's been quick everywhere, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. It's been quick everywhere. And, and I know that Charles will be competitive. And, and Carlos will have got, got a lot of confidence from today. Um, so, yeah, both, both of them are going to be up there. It's going to be business as usual and, and a very good fight with, with the Red Bulls. Is there anyone on this grid faster over one lap than Charles Leclerc? Clearly, no, there isn't. <laughs> How impressed are you? Yeah, super impressed. Yeah, I mean, impressed with, with all of his work. You know, it's not just... It's not just that he's very good over one lap. His races have been good this year. You know, obviously the, the Imola, the Imola mistake, uh, you know, was 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 silly, and and he knows that, but that won't happen again. You know, but that just shows the the level he's pushing at, and and he's just desperate to to, to keep in touch with with uh, Verstappen, and and you know, Silverstone will obviously offers offer us another opportunity to put it on pole and win a race, and that's the great thing is he's going to every race knowing. He can put it on pole and therefore knowing he can win. And that's a huge, a huge fillip to, to anybody's morale and confidence when you're sitting in a driving seat. And the gap to Max is only 50 points. It seems like a <laughs> lot on paper, but we've seen a swing. Absolutely. Okay. And, and Already we've, this we've, year. we've seen, you know, not wishing bad luck on, on Max or not wishing to sort of win it by virtue of, uh, of DNFs and that sort of thing. But reliability will pay a, play a part in this championship later on in the year as well for everyone. Um, so, you know, there's, there's more dice to roll. What we need to do is make sure that we go to every race and we do the best job we can in, in terms of performance. We make sure we get on the, on the front row and put it on pole and keep the pressure on Max uh, and keep driving as, as Charles is and as we've seen Charles drive all season very, very well. Well done this weekend and see you at Silverstone. See you in Silverstone. Cheers. We're joined now by the winning team principal, Christian Horner. Christian, what an emphatic weekend by Max Verstappen. He has been outstanding this weekend, I think, from the first lap in uh, FP1. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's led pretty much every session of the weekend. And then you know, that race wasn't straightforward for us because the VSCs were probably at the worst time. Um, you, you know, for him, but uh, you know, he, he made it work and the pressure he was under. The important thing was we got him track position for that last sector of the race and then just huge, huge pressure after that last VSC with a very fast Ferrari behind him. Well, how worried were you in those last 16 laps? I, I didn't think he'd be able to hold on. The, the DRS is pretty powerful here when you it's one on one. Um, but, I, you know, he, he just just drove an incredible race, not a single mistake. Who had the faster car in that race, you or Ferrari? I think it's nip and tuck. I mean, if you look at the first sector, we were quicker. If you look at the middle sector, they were a bit quicker. Last sector was about the same. So it was really, you know, marginal. Um, what would have been interesting, I think, would have been to see we were on a two stop. They were on a one stop. We'd have had to make the pass for the 
for the win. So uh, in the actually, last five laps or so. Carlos's pace was, was decent, actually. It was, but we think the tyres would have faded towards the end. It would have been a hell of a stint over 50 laps for him, yeah. you know, on that on that tyre. But, you know, they had a very quick car today and Carlos was, you know, he was on it. Yeah, OK, so Max did a brilliant race. What about his qualifying performance? Because he was six tenths clear of the field in what were very difficult conditions. Yeah, I mean, it was very, very difficult, but he was on top of the track throughout the qualifying. And I think that's the driver at the top of his game, confidence, reading the circuit, reading the conditions, working with his engineer, working with the pit wall. Uh, you know, it's a driver, uh, an engineer and team all in, you know, working in harmony. Well, his engineer came on the radio at the end and said that was a champion's drive. Was this evidence that he has stepped up since winning the world championship? Well, look, he did a hell of a job last year. Um, you think back to some of the races that he drove under immense pressure like in uh, you know austin stands out to me as one of the races towards the end of the campaign but again you know the racing this year has been excellent and the cars you can follow a bit closer you, you know we've seen that across these eight races or nine races so far so um so so yeah you know he's he's definitely built on his experience from last year and uh, you can see that having you know won that world championship you know he's just driving with even more maturity you look bulletproof are there any weak spots that you're nervous about well the gearbox today on checo's car was a bit yeah. of a weak spot so we need to understand what's happened there but uh you know we'll get on top of that and uh and come back strong it was just a shame for checo because i think he would have had good pace in the race today all right one final word silverstone yep. next up yeah home race for the yep. team big race for the team yeah yeah so yeah you know there's going to be the probably a, a record-breaking crowd there it's always a thrill to race at silverstone it's our it's our local race um you know we're only 15 minutes up the road um i'm sure there's going to be huge support for lewis and george and lando but, uh, you, you know, we're going there, leading both championships, um, as we did last year, but just hoping for a little bit of a better end result than what we got. Right, and what's the form guide? Yeah, you know, Mercedes pace in the race today was, you know, they were, they were competitive. Um, it's a smooth circuit, they could be a factor. We know Ferrari's good in the high-speed stuff, we saw that in, uh, in Barcelona. So uh, you'd think it'd swing perhaps back towards Ferrari's uh, you know, domain. We knew Azerbaijan and this race were tracks that might favour us, uh, and we've nailed those two results, which I'm, I'm really delighted with. Hamilton said after the race that there were, the bouncing was not much of an issue for him today. Yeah. There's been so much talk of it this weekend yeah. uh, with technical directors from the FIA. Yeah. Are we close to hearing the end of this, or do you think it's going to bubble away for some time yet? You know, cars will converge over the course of this year and certainly into next year. We've just come through probably the two worst events for it. Bumpy, fast, long straighted circuits. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I just don't think there should be an overreaction you know, to it. I mean, there's a bit of lobbying going on in the background as we all well know. Um, but uh, you know, on today's example, there didn't look any issues. Christian, fab race from you guys. Many congratulations. Thank Thanks you. Thanks a lot. All right, that's our top two. So Verstappen had it all under control, I felt, all weekend. Carlos Sainz just needs that first win to be less than a second behind at the flag. Very frustrating. But look, what about Lewis Hamilton? Let's talk Mercedes now. He was very happy after that race to be back on the podium for the first time since Bahrain. Josh, what did you make of Hamilton? The car seems like it's got the pace. It was. It seemed pretty handy in the race today. 
it maybe lacked a bit of pace uh, throughout the sort of the entire weekend and they finally sort of get there at the end. At least George is making uh, the most of the package, it seems. But um, he, it's just going to give him that kind of boost of confidence that he needs right now. Uh, just the podium. It's amazing to say that about Lewis, you know, that he, he's needing the boost of confidence from finishing third. Podium 164 for Lewis Hamilton. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. Uh, I guess also at qualifying his teammate because of the bad decision, bad risk that uh, Russell took yesterday. I think that was a brave call that was very near to going right. There was nothing brave about it. Nothing brave about it because on paper, there's no way it was going to work. It was freezing cold. It was still humid. It was hard for the drivers to even get their front working as an intermediate. How could you get the temperature into your slick tires? Now, when you're in a Williams, like he did in Russia, uh, where you're either last or you make a good call and you're in front, fantastic. But when your car can be P4, P5, it, that, that was really, really not a, a good call to make. And it cost him, uh, it cost him qualifying in front of his teammate and it cost him the podium today. Do you think it would have, he would have outqualified Lewis again? He had the pace. He definitely had the pace. And, and, and Lewis still, you could see, was dragging his arms on the ground a little bit. And, and Lewis needs to, to have this, this start to go and get to, to, to be at his 100% form. And this year, you, can, you have the impression he's not been driving to the maximum of his potential. I don't remember, was it Barcelona where he said, well, let's stop, let's save the engine. He didn't want, and then ultimately he got going and, and was competitive. So that, that's, the, I think, the difference with Max from last year. Max is 100% the whole time. Lewis isn't. But today, he, he was in front of his teammate. He could see the podium. He, has, he had extreme, extreme pace. Why didn't he have this pace earlier in the season? Because obviously, the pace can be there. What about George Russell then? One of the best debut performances in terms of moving up to a big team that we've seen in a while? Yes, he's, he has the experience now. And he's had a few years of driving a bad car, a difficult car. So... Yes, he was okay with the difficult Mercedes that was bouncing. All that mattered to him was beating Lewis. He knew from the start it wasn't a championship winning car. If he beats Lewis, his career is made. That's all that he cares about. And also, both of them being British, he beats Lewis, that's it. His, his career is made. So uh, that was his only emphasis, what he needed to do to beat Lewis. And that's what he's been doing. Sure, but Lewis is the winningest most driver in the history of Formula One. Just give us an idea of the scale of that achievement. Well, it's 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 crazy. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot. But you know, both these drivers have had years in in the best car without any competition. Now, take Prost and Senna without their teammates, and they both would have seven championships, and they would be on the same uh, scale as uh, as Lewis and Schumacher. So, it also takes you being in in a car that's unbeatable uh, without a teammate. And Lewis had. Rosberg for a year and then Rosberg just gave up. It's interesting. Have you come across George this weekend? Josh, have you interviewed him up in uh, up in the paddock club? I haven't, but I'd love to. He seems like a, such a nice such a nice guy and he's doing really well this year. I mean, it, it's it's almost like uh driving a, a a poor car for so long means that he can drive around these issues that the Mercedes is is having and he's able to then extract the performance out of it and like Jack said, like Lewis needs that carrot on a stick to sort of pull himself forwards whereas George just gets his head down and goes for it I think yeah very good Norfolk boy I must ask you Josh so your grandfather double world champion your father a world champion 
why am I not interviewing you when you're wearing overalls? I just kind of lost the, uh, the motivation for it. I just wanted to sort of explore other things in my life. And um, I enjoyed doing that. I know I'll never you know, shake my love of motorsport. It's, it comes, it's coming back pretty strong, to be honest. So I just enjoy being around F1 and being into F1. Uh, but I don't think um, I, was, uh, I would have enjoyed being an F1 driver, if that makes sense. Do you know what? The drivers were just asked in the post-race press conference. It's Father's Day. Uh, tell us about your own relationships with your fathers. And Max, Carlos and Lewis all wax lyrical about the advice they got. You did a bit of racing. Was was the old man was was Damon full of advice? He was, and uh, like a stubborn son, I was. I refused to listen to any of it. <laughs> so maybe that's why I'm not in F1. Um, no, we have a really good relationship. You know, very similar sense of humour, and I like to poke fun at him. We play golf together, so you know, we it's it's we have a very uh, solid relationship. I'd say it's fun hearing Josh talk about Damon like that. What was Damon like as a teammate back in the day? Well. Uh, he was great. He was great because he had worked so hard uh, at getting there and he was super fast. And I came after winning in the States and I was learning a lot from him. Uh, what, was the, what did you learn from Damon Hill? He'll be listening to this. Well, I, I don't have the exact specifics, but I remember getting there and he was just killing me and qualifying. You know, the first few races uh, just... Can I pick you up on that? You started your first race on pole. Yeah, but then the next three races, he, you know, he killed me by a second, uh, almost. So it was a, uh, it was tough, and it was also the race space. I'd come from America, where we always had safety cars. F1 didn't have safety cars back then, so you never build a gap. You you would push for five laps, and then if you had the two or three second lap, you just stay there and manage your fuel, manage your tires. Then I got into F1, and I, you know, I would push for a few laps, and oh, oh, everybody, they're still pushing. What, what's going on here? And that that was a, that was a, a big step, and it took a long time for me to get in my setup range and we we, we got very diversified during the season um and and that's when maybe i i stopped learning from him but that 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 took longer than half the season now look let's move further down the finishing order now we've discussed uh, an emphatic win by verstappen uh Sainz second and then hamilton and russell third and fourth charles leclerc Coming from the back to fifth place, impressed? Yes and no. When you're in a Ferrari, you should only have a Red Bull in front of you, uh, and 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 that's. You're a hard man, JB. No, he but it's true. It's back. true. No, it, it, it's true. The, before the race, they took those penalties because it's Montreal, and in their mind, the worst they could finish was P4, having Perez still in in the race, and they didn't. So that 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 sh that also shows how good Lewis was today, uh, because he is actually ahead of a Ferrari. Uh, there was also a safety car that allowed Charles to, to get close to the pack um, and he finished fifth. So yeah, it's good. It's good salvaging of points, but it's not good enough. I mean, they had a, bad, a poor pit stop and got out before four car, in, behind four cars instead of ahead of them. Fighting to get those positions, killed their tires and that's why they didn't get the Mercedes in, in the end. What have you made of Charles' season so far and, and specifically the last three races? He's super quick. Uh, he's super quick, but right now he still makes a few little mistakes that he shouldn't. Imola, for example. Uh, then he's not helped by the team, but you know that that's the energy they they all, all have uh, together. Right now we know he's fast. He's aggressive. Is he a world champion? Is he like Max? How, how is he under pressure when 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 it's money time 
for the championship. That's what we still need to find out. Is there a faster man in Formula One over one lap? Probably. <laughs> there always is the faster man, but the faster man is also dependent on his car and his setup. Just, just remember Bottas, uh, when he was getting all the poles instead of, uh, of Lewis Hamilton, he was setting his car up to get those poles. But then in the race, he was killing his tires. So is, is he because he was a faster man or he was setting the car up to do that? I was actually I was surprised by the, the, the time it took him to get through the pack. I mean, it was a couple of laps in and he'd only moved up to 16th or 17th. It was... Uh, it was I was I was surprised that he wasn't sort of blasting through those cars a little bit earlier. Maybe because of the mixed up grid, some of the slower cars were actually near the front. Uh, but he did get stuck. Uh, he had a few tripping points, like Jack said. The 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 bad pit stop kind of undid a lot of his uh, good work. And getting stuck behind the Alpine Alpines with their insane top speed at the moment um, seemed to really hurt him as well. Oh, I love the thought. Let's talk about those Alpines, JV. We can actually talk about a former teammate of yours now, Fernando Alonso, those three races at the end of, what was it, 2004 in the Renault. Uh, I, for one, loved seeing him on the front row of the grid. Well, it was amazing. It took him a little while to get up to speed in the Alpine, or in the Renault Alpine, uh, and to get the team to work with him, to work in his direction, to, to develop the car in his direction. But he's been unlucky this year, either in strategies, pit stop, cars falling down. Today had the engine going down as well. And that kept in the back, didn't work out with same thing with the pit stops, with the virtual safety car. So it seems that he's carrying some kind of weight with him. And, and every time I talk to him, he, he says, ah, it just never goes right. Even when but he's one, he's relentless. He's like Max. He, there's, he never gives up anything. I'm not sure I've ever met a racing driver who is so focused on Formula One. Even you in your prime, I felt you had other stuff going on in your life. Whereas he really strikes me as someone who the first thing he thinks of when he wakes up in the morning is Formula One and the last thing he thinks of, perhaps before he goes to sleep, is Formula One. Well, let's say racing because he did go away from F1 to do other form of racing. So he is a race passionate and, uh, and he's a fighter. He just never gives anything up. He's always hungry for more. It's amazing. I feel ageist even talking about this because, you know, you just, if you're good enough, you're old enough, whichever way you look, on the scale, you, wherever you are on the scale. But how does age affect you in the cockpit? Because you're still racing now. Age affects you when you're not willing to take the risk anymore. You're not willing to make the sacrifices anymore. You'd rather be at home than taking the risk on the track. And that's when you start slowing down. That's when your mind is not on it anymore. Physically, in modern days, we eat better, we train. So you don't get old as quickly uh, and it depends how much you've hurt yourself in your racing uh, career as well but the hunger is still there so you might lose a tenth or two but that gets overly compensated by experience and as you can you can see now I mean he's a very experienced driver he's not the youngest on the grid but look what he's doing against Ocon now and he's he's there when it's needed 41 at the end of July. He was actually on my flight from Baku and uh, I noticed that he's wearing these braces on his wrists, both wrists, and I said, what's that all about? And it's from his crash at the Australian Grand Prix in qualifying uh, all those races ago because he actually hit the barrier with his hands still on the wheel and he, he's hurt his wrist. So between well, races, that, that, he's still needing that support. But you see how stiff the suspensions are now. They keep banging wheels and they don't break off. And because also with the power steering, the steering is super light, so they don't hold the wheel very strongly. 
So when they hit a wall, it, it gives a jolt to to the wrists. You know, I've never taken my hands off a wheel ever, ever because you can in a crash. You've you, never no, taken never because you can brace yourself. So you save your neck a little bit. You might hit hurt your your thumb, but I'd rather hurt my thumb than my neck. So it does help. And I've bent wheels when it was steel wheels. I've bent a few of them and, and I was always okay. But the suspension would also take off, uh, peel off. But now you can see, just take Ocon's crash in, uh, in Miami. He got hurt because the suspension didn't break and nothing was absorbed. You need the, the suspension to break a little bit to absorb part of the impact. Yeah, that's a good point. So you didn't take your hands off the wheel oh, when you never. hit at Eau Rouge 99, 1999. Oh no, I was still trying to make the corner somehow. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that crash, Josh? I do indeed. It said like well, a tree racing one? driver as well. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd also know something a little bit about uh, someone uh, driving into you in the suspension braking as well. You'd know a little bit about that too. When did you first become aware of Fernando Alonso? Is it quite weird for you to still see him racing? Yeah, it's, it's extremely, um, you know, from the moment I kind of became aware of Formula One, Fernando was just starting out and he was always, I mean, he's always been one of my favorite drivers, him and Kimi Raikkonen, and I'm so, so sad to see Kimi go, but um, Alonso is just a fighter. He just gets his head down and and commits everything to, to, to what he does at the track. Um, and I just love that. Well, we've made our way down to Alpine, and I want to say what a brilliant weekend for this team. We'll say it. <laughs> I'm saying it is a brilliant weekend, although, of course, Fernando Alonso, we've just heard, has received a five-second penalty for weaving, I think, at the end of the race, so he drops from seventh down to ninth in the order. But I want to overlook uh, that little penalty. Uh, Otmar Safnau, our team principal, is joining me now, and what a hell of a weekend for Alonso. Great. Put it on the front row, um, was running pretty strong at the beginning, had some issues with the car, um, and unfortunately dropped back into seventh. But, um, you know, even with the car issues, had we not had the safety car at, at the end, he would have finished uh, a position or two higher. Let's start with qualifying. How good was Fernando Alonso in those really tricky conditions? Brilliant. So tricky conditions, um, tricky for everybody. Uh, make make a mistake, you're off or even into the wall. And he was brilliant. Put it P2. Now, it seems to me that this car is getting more and more to his liking. And I'm only looking at the timesheets here, but the gap to Ocon this weekend was large. What well, do you attribute it, that to? It was, it was large at the end, uh, but not... Um, not every lap, so Esteban was making inroads, he was getting closer and closer, but you have to remember, in changeable conditions, Fernando is on it very quickly. And, you know, he gets up to speed much quicker than most drivers, too, so. Is that experience? I think Talent? he's always had it. Right. He's, he's always been on it very quickly, uh, and experience helps, too. Omar, with the package you have now, what are your objectives going forward? So I, I think we have to be realistic. And uh, if, if we do a good job from now until the end of the season, uh, finishing a solid fourth would be good. Yeah, but it's, in, I mean, and if, and, if, and if you get the rub of the green, is a win or a podium possible? Yeah, for sure. If we get the rub of the green, a win and a podium is possible. But I think looking at trying to overtake the third place team with the amount of races that are left and the points that are available will be difficult. But 
every once in a while a podium and a win yeah that could be possible okay brilliant so both your drivers flying it's been a really good weekend for you one other guy i want to talk to you about before we go is oscar piastri uh we Ooh. have a <laughs> a lot of people in australia listen to this podcast actually and oh, they'll uh, know. uh look what is the sitch with oscar going forward we're in an enviable position that we've got oscar under contract for the future years and uh you know we'll soon soon start looking at what that actually means and when where he's going to be in the future but just he's ready do you feel he needs to get racing again in 2023 so even if Definitely. there isn't room Definitely. here Definitely. The well, answer is yes. Give him to someone else on a bungee back to you. Yeah, so we haven't decided any of that kind of stuff, but uh, definitely he needs to be racing in 2023. Thank you very much, and Thank well you. done this weekend. Thanks. Yeah. Okay, so look, the Alpines, 6th and 7th, and then we go 8th and 9th, uh, the two Alfa Romeos. Now, hats off to Joe Guan Yu, out-qualifying Valtteri Bottas for the second race in a row. Yeah, that doesn't say much about Bottas, does it? But perhaps it says something about Joe. Yeah, that he's, he's, he's good. Uh, but he's beating Bottas. He's not beating Lewis like Russell is. VB has proved in the past, Jack. Um, I, by the way, you should know that I am president and CEO of the Valtteri Bottas fan club. All very right? good for okay. you. He's <laughs> so... a very nice, nice guy. He's quick. He's super fast. He's beaten Lewis on the odd race, but not on a season. And that's the difference from a champion like Lewis that has won so many races, that has won on every kind of track and every kind of conditions. And someone like Valtteri, who at times can be super quick, but not over a season. And he's demonstrated that every year. But this, tell me if I'm wrong, is a confidence track. The walls are close. He lost the whole of FP2 on Friday afternoon wasn't able to get a lap in. It was wet then on Saturday, so he hasn't been able to build up. Yeah, but Joe has never been on this track and he didn't get much mileage either. So no, Bottas this year should never ever get beaten by Joe. It's just not on, uh, not a driver of his experience that has won so many races. This should not happen, mostly on a track that Joe has not been on. I don't know if it's because he got he got used to not beating Lewis and, and that set him back a little bit. And then he, he had an, an easy beginning of the year. He, he, he was looking good, running at the front, destroying Joe. And uh, suddenly, Joe is showing that he is quick. Uh, and we're not seeing the best Valtteri that we could or that we should right now. Uh, he should be easily ahead of Joe. Second points finish of the season for Joe, Josh? Yeah, I mean, there would have been a lot more this season had he not had so many mechanical gremlins in the races, I think. Um, it's finally uh, getting some good results in. And I feel like the Bottas situation is is due to much more kind of mechanical gremlins in the lead up to the to the race um so he's not allowing himself that setup time but you have to agree you can't be you can't be being beaten by a, a first timer um having been partnered to a seven-time world champion and beating him on occasion right final points paying position i think you're very hard by that i'm ignoring both of you remember you're talking to the president you have to be neutral in this. You cannot be a I fan. I am neutral, except with him. I really like Vibi. <laughs> it's so much fun bouncing down the paddock here in Montreal after the race. Everyone's packing up, but it's a, a very friendly place. And of course, some team principals have bigger smiles on their faces than others. And, and with Fred Vasseur now, what a day for you guys, Fred. 
Yeah, overall it was a very good weekend. That uh, I think that we had a strong pace also yesterday in Quali, uh, and it was a great race today. That uh, I'm more than pleased for the team, and more than pleased for Joe because that he, he did a fantastic race today, scoring good points, and uh, I think it will be a step into the the improvement for him and uh, into the progression. Let's talk about Joe because as we mustn't get run over by this forklift truck, but. He's had a good couple of races now, out-qualifying Bottas in Baku last weekend, his first Q3 here in Montreal this weekend. Have you seen him take a big step up? Yeah, well, from the beginning of the season, it was, uh, I think he, he, made, he made it step by step, that we put the first target was to do some Q2, and he did it on the first one. And he was uh, always very strong into the races, that a uh, couple of times he was able to score points but he had a issue on the reliability side but overall i'm more than pleased for him because that uh, he he was always positive always very team oriented focused on the on the job and uh, pushing for the team and uh, i think it's a great achievement for and today him and valtteri are working well together yeah more than this that they are uh, both of them they are completely team oriented and uh, honestly it's really helpful on the on the performance of the team, it's uh, the atmosphere into the team is uh, great, and it's uh, it's a good push. This car of yours is she quite tricky to set up? Because it seems to me some races you guys are so strong and genuinely right up there. Other races less so. No, I don't think so. I think that the pack is very the the, the field is very very packed and it's very very tight between P six seven and P eighteen perhaps or twenty. It means that. As soon as you are doing a small mistake, you take a yellow flag or you are doing a mistake on track or a small mistake on the setup, you can move from P8 to P18. If you have a look this weekend, I think that uh, Gasly and Vettel, they showed a very, very strong pace on the on the weight on Q3, on uh, P3, and they were out in Q1. But it means that uh, I think it's also the, the good side of the championship this season. It's that it's very, very packed and uh, Competition is intense, and you don't have to draw a conclusion when someone is uh, doing a weekend P16. It's not the end of the world. It's just that uh, it was not the perfect weekend for him, but he can come back the week after. All right. Well, Fred, fantastic result. Double points finished for you guys here in Canada. Many congratulations. Thank you. Let's look at that final points-paying position. Uh, Lance Stroll in P10. Vettel, in particular, is getting more and more comfortable in that car uh, since they introduced the updates in Barcelona well, three races ago. He is, ago. and like Alonso, he's he's a champion. He's got a lot of experience, and he's working with the team. He's, and now the, the car is getting more and more developed towards him. And the more this happens, the more it will be difficult for Lance to drive that car. The difference in quality of drivers will start to show. And you see that a lot in the modern car. In the, 2022 car you see a big difference uh in between drivers and it looks like the last few years it was hiding a lot of the talent in drivers let's talk mclaren it's been a bad weekend uh for mclaren here uh, uh ricardo coming home in 11th place norris back in 15th at one point what was it in the race did they turn up with was it three mediums and one hard or was it three hards and one medium for norris it was a, a messy pit stop for him um it's so tight in the midfield you just can you cannot afford to make any mistakes it's weird because it, there's a lot of hit and miss 
but sometimes they they seem oh they're quick they fix the car and then next weekend they're they're back they're all all the way back so it's really weird no idea what's going on there very strange in the defense of of, of lando in particular i want to get both of your thoughts on the, what i call the young guns in formula 1 now you've got uh, you've got max verstappen charles leclerc lando norris you cannot call max a young gun how long has he been in f1 <laughs> no seriously it's, it's not the I think age. This is his hundred and fifty. Exactly. Exactly. It's not the age that matters. Is how long he's been racing. He's been a professional racer since he was five. He is one of the most experienced drivers. So he's a he's an old driver in a way, at a racetrack. At home, it might be very different. What I was going to say is that the young guys, of which I am going to include him, us. We got a proper breadth of talent now in Formula One, like we haven't always had. I feel that it, the sport is in a safe place. And they're also building a good, strong image, which has not always uh, been uh, the case. Verstappen doesn't come out as a pay driver, uh, which helps. So there, and same thing with Leclerc. Uh, and they come from the same school uh, from the same time and it is a, a good crop now look Josh has got to go to get a plane before you go I want your thoughts on the young guns in Formula 1 in a minute those four guys I mentioned it's an interesting um, era for F1 because drivers are so much more kind of forthcoming with who they are as a person and so it's really exciting actually to sort of see all this new talent very strong talent it's exciting to see and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing where the next few years in F1 go it's great to have a hill on the program this week. Look, brilliant. Thanks, Josh. Say hi to the old man from us. JV, okay, so you think Max Verstappen is one of the old guns. Not old. Lewis is part of the old and, and, and Fernando Alonso. And yeah. they have, both of them are champions. Lewis, an, an incredible champion with experience that is, will be tough to beat. Max has won one championship. But look how he's racing, like he's been doing this for 20 years. Have you seen him step up in any way this year with that confidence that comes with winning a world championship? I saw him step up last year and he's just carrying on on the same wave. Uh, you, you've had a lot of drivers win the championship and then suddenly you give up and suddenly they've achieved their goal and they just don't have it in them to, to still have that energy to keep going. And when you look at, at Max, it's as if he hasn't won yet and he still wants that first win. It, it, it's, it's amazing. How much does a title fight take out of you let's go back to 97 and that epic season between you and michael schumacher actually in 98 although you were the reigning world champion were you pretty shot mentally no no it was uh, it was good the season finished earlier than now uh i think by the end of october it, it was finished earlier so we had a little bit more time we had a month off and we did a huge amount of testing then during winter uh by the time the first race come we were all we were all fine. There, there weren't as many races. We had just had a lot of testing instead. So we, mileage, but not the pressure of race weekends. What was tiring was to have a, a crappy car. <laughs> that was <laughs> after having won and have a car that was just undrivable. That, that that was tough. A couple more things before you go, JV. Uh, curbs here in Montreal. Curbing something that the drivers said uh, both in the drivers' briefing and after the race is how much. They love the old school curbing here at the circuit. Well, it gives a limit. It gives a limit to the drivers, and it's not a, it's 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 not a, a marshal will say, oh, you went a little bit too wide. Penalty. No, you have a curb, and then you can decide to take it or not. Uh, and it's it's always been part of the talent of drivers: how much curb and how to approach the curbs. Uh, I think we went away from curbs a lot because of motorbikes, and same thing with asphalt runoffs for for a while but they don't do anything good for racing that's interesting but also we 
we didn't see anyone end up in the wall of champions this weekend. How disappointing. Yes. <laughs> How disappointing. You're, you're only a true champion if you've hit that wall. I mean, I started it, hit it twice. Michael hit it. Damon hit it. Yeah, Did Jensen yeah. hit it as well? Yeah, Jensen's hit exactly. it. Exactly. So I don't think Max hit it. <laughs> so there, yeah, that's, well, he's not yeah. a true champion. Is exactly. That what he needs, yeah, yeah, he needs to hit the wall first. <laughs> Can you see anyone beating Red Bull and Max Verstappen this year? What are we? We're, we're nine races in now. He's 46 points ahead in the Drivers' Championship. Ferrari and Leclerc can. Can Charles keep his momentum, his pace, race after race like Max can? That will be the telling factor. He's got the pace. He's got the pace. Uh, he's got the car. Uh, and as we've seen, Red Bull also can have mechanical failures. And this rebalances the, the whole show. But if Max doesn't get mechanical failures, then it's really, he's, he's really tough to beat. If Charles can be on the same pace and not make a mistake like an Imola, then he will be on the level of Max. But it's a tough place to be race after race. And how difficult is it, Ferrari? They, they've been away from the limelight for a few years now. To suddenly be back in it, and we've seen a few operational errors from them. Of course, the Monaco strategic decision. But does it take a while for a team just to get race fit again, winning fit again? It's a mindset. And Ferrari has said that their goal this year was not to win the championship, but to become uh, competitive again. If you set that goal, then that will be your limit. Well, JV, thank you very much for your time. It's been great to have you on the show on F1 Nation. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. It's good to see you. How are you enjoying being a dad, by the way? How's oh, little Jill? Yeah, it's amazing. You know, this is my fifth boy. And uh, every boy is as amazing as the previous one. It's not, it doesn't become dull. But does Jill, does he sleep through the night yet? How old is he? Uh, five months. Oh, yeah, he's full of energy, but he sleeps as well. It's, it's, it, right now, he's a perfect boy, so let's so, hope it carries on. Jack, in four years' time, you'll be putting him on a go-kart, and then... Uh, uh, I have a hard time with that. You know, that at the top level, they're spending, what, half a million to go kart racing? I mean, they're kids. They're supposed to be having fun. I see it as bad education, other than the racing aspect. It's, I, I just don't comprehend it. I want him to have fun. He wants to do some karting. Yeah, let's go and play. I was a skier. I never did any karting. It's not the best school. It's become obligatory because teams are saying that you need to kart. If not, you can't race. But it's not necessarily the best school. It drives differently. It teaches you pack racing. But then look at, look at all the karting racing. Do you see a kid having fun there? No, they look like they're already 30 years old getting angry all the time. It's, it's wrong. It's very, very wrong on, on the educational side. I don't think he's got a, a karting future ahead of him. By well, the I same. might not have a choice. I don't know. He might be talking about that day in, day out, because yeah. that's how I was when I was five. I've, my nine-year-old, uh, eight, nine-year-old is asking about going karting all the time. But it takes passion. It takes, even as a kid, you need to be wanting to make sacrifices. But if you're willing to get to that level, then you'll get it in skiing. You'll get in in every other form of sport. You'll get the mindset. If, it, if it's the, the driving, holding a wheel and pressing on the pedals, you can learn that afterwards. JV, many thanks. Great to see you. Thank you. Well, that's pretty much it from Montreal. And just to be clear, after all the penalties have been dished out, Max Verstappen was our winner, Carlos Sainz second and Hamilton third. That was the podium with George Russell fourth, Charles Leclerc fifth, Esteban Ocon in sixth, and then after Alonso's five-second penalty, Valtteri Bottas was promoted to seventh, Joe Guanyu to eighth, Alonso ending up in ninth with Stroll in that last points-paying position in tenth. 
My thanks to Jacques Villeneuve and Josh Hill and, of course, uh, for you for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday, the 28th of June, to preview everything to do with the British Grand Prix. So please try and join us for that. But for now, F1 Nation is produced by Formula One and Audio Boom Studios. Thanks for listening.